0: K- K- chaos. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs. Me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, going insane. Listening to coffee chugs, I can't be pulled brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show
1: the world that there's more here than corn.
0: K- 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 chaos.
1: Hey everybody! This is Coffee Chug here on another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast, and this episode I'm I'm, I'm super stoked for this one. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad uh, that I'm able to call this this guy a friend, um, a mentor, um, part of my network, and you know all these things. Um, always stem from from getting involved in, in in pockets of of places where people are coming together doing great things and in this case I wouldn't have met this guest well without the Microsoft innovative experts so I do have to give a little shout out and plug to that uh, the powerful group that's really helped me grow and and develop and so um, this is what's allowed me to get a hold of 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 Todd here today, and and a lot of the work that he's doing, and and what we're doing in this in this episode, and, and the next series, and in, in this series of episodes is we're going to bring awareness to to STEM education, um, and try to help educators and parents and students and anyone listening in on the things that are happening. I think a lot of times we live in a, a filter bubble of our own little community, and we don't always realize the amazing things going on, um, and so that's what what Todd's going to bring to the table because he's been able to see a lot. So. Um, Enough of me rambling. Todd, why don't we start off just for those that don't know who you are. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and um, what you do. Great.
0: Thanks, Aaron. I'm uh, Todd Beard at Teacher Beard on Twitter. And uh, I I taught uh, kindergarten through 12th grade technology in Flint, Michigan for uh, eight years. And so I had students all the way from five-year-olds all the way up to 20-year-olds and they, I would get to see them once a week uh, for about 48 to 52 minutes. Uh, and and I had that much time uh, to get them to remember what we were learning because I wouldn't see them again for seven days. Uh, in a lot of schools, these are called specialists or specials teachers. Uh, my statement of hire was computer teacher, which <laughs> I always found funny because, one, I um, I didn't even have computers. We have thin clients in my lab, so that would have made me the Thin Client teacher. Uh two, the the books that they gave me to teach them were so outdated that we weren't even using the operating system that they were written on. And I went I went to to my boss and I said, Hey, you know, this gave me an opportunity to be, you know, the STEM teacher. And so that's what I incorporated. I looked at you know, where our needs were. And, and my background is, is I'm a math and language arts major, uh, you know, using both sides of my brain. Don't find too many people that, <laughs> that dual major in both. Uh, right. But there are a few out there. There are a few. Uh, and it really came from my love of science because I thought about what science was. And I thought, you know, math and math and language arts weren't my strongest subjects in school. Uh, I was decent at them, but I, I felt as a teacher, those were two things I could grow in. And um, I was actually changing my major from computer science. So I went from a classroom of uh, all males with one, uh, one female uh, in my class uh, and to a class where, where I was in elementary education, where I was the only male. And, you know, I learned a lot of things about that transition uh, I bring yeah, I bring a lot of that stuff with me when I think about learning styles and what and the things that draw people into teaching. I, I was suddenly with a new group of learners that were very in tune with listening to a lecture, taking down the notes, uh, memorizing the notes and being able to remember those for an assessment later, whereas in maybe some of the in my other classes before I made this switch. There were people that were more uh, the other kind of learning styles, either with their hands or doing projects together and stuff like that. And not to say that the education wasn't, but the people that were drawn to education were the people that really excelled in school. And they excelled in school because they liked that format. It made sense to them. It didn't always make sense to me. So I think that really characterized me as an educator when I started doing these these STEM lessons and you know to be completely honest, uh, I would be the steam teacher because I always took that opportunity to 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 have that freedom and curriculum so I mean, you could say I was tricking the kids into learning math by doing uh by doing this Excel game where you know they had to make their own um, their own budget they had to find their own house online they had to screenshot that, put it into the Excel worksheet they had to manage their money they had to make choices. But along the way, too, they also had got to decorate their, their Excel template, and they got to pick what colors they wanted, and they got to do all these things in the font type and stuff like that, the things that really made it own it. Because when I thought about how I learned Excel, you know, it was very much turn to page one, do step A, step B, step C, and there were pictures and there were words, and you would turn the page, you know, at the end of the project, you had a you know, you had an Excel for for Johnny's lawnmower service, you know, but you didn't even know who Johnny was and you could care less. And maybe even a week later, you totally forgot how to uh, format a cell because it had no meaning for you. So right. so I took that and, um, and I ran with it. And so I did that with my students. One of many uh, I would call STEM projects where we were engineering something, we were using math, we were using science. Uh, you know, we were using arts, uh, and that was actually, that was my submission for, uh, for what Aaron mentioned is the, uh, the MIE program. And so I took that and I, I turned it in, uh, and that was my application. And if you uh, look on YouTube and I'll drop the link, if you just type in, um, personal finance, uh, checking with Mr. Beard, um, there's a, it's it goes into uh, how we play the game, but it was really easy to set up. And all, all I did was I grabbed a, a, a template from Excel and checkbooks, and then I made my own template, which was like an inventory list where they could keep track of their home, their house, their accessories, like food and clothing and technology. And then you know they had to pay the bills. And you know as a teacher you know, I got to repossess cars, I got to evict people from <laughs> virtual houses. And it, 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 it was funny, because it was a learning experience. But it was something that if it's happened to you in your real life, and you were young, it might not have been explained to you. Because there's something, you know, you, uh, you know, there's a little bit of shame in not being able to manage your own finances. And there's. The thing is, is is this all started from a meme that I saw on Facebook. And you may have seen it, but it's like things I didn't learn in school. And it's like where to go to vote, uh, you know, how to balance a checkbook, right. uh, you know, like and, and there, it listed 10 things. And so I tried to get I got like, you know, six of those 10 things into this lesson, you know, because that was what my goals were is to we're learning about the STEM. But it really is about when you're thinking about STEM education, it's about these practical Uh, you know, real world values. And and Aaron knows from being a first coach, like it's about being okay to fail. It's about, you know, trying. And so it wasn't a big deal for me to repossess a virtual house. But I want to believe that unlike myself, who a week later forgot how to format a cell, this student might, you know, years down the line, remember why they got their house, their virtual house repossessed. Or, you know, if it's happened to them in their life, they might not think that it was someone else's fault or you know that game that that sometimes gets played because because of the shame and because of you know the or of you know misinformation i think is is, is one of the things i was working to dispel and so you know that that's what I did in the classroom, which uh, led to Aaron and I meeting uh, in Redmond, Washington. Yep. And you know, I like to think that we we would have met anyway, right? We would have met each other right. Right. Uh, at a first championship or somewhere. You know, we were definitely like this close to just crossing paths uh, online, and maybe we had a few times. Right. Uh, and then um, yeah, I took the position with Microsoft as the Microsoft Innovative Educator Fellow, um, which allowed me to take those lessons that I had learned in the classroom on the road. And so working with teachers to to incorporate uh, those technologies, um, being able to present at conferences, uh, how how my classroom was doing things and showing off uh, their success. Uh, And I did that for two years. And then now I'm in my third year uh, where I've transitioned now from – I'm still in education, but I'm working with Microsoft Philanthropies – uh, and so I um, I work with Microsoft Spark, which is the Microsoft uh, f- uh, Philanthropy's global commitment to computer science education. So working with organizations like the CSTA, with uh, Doug's organization, and uh, Teals, uh, getting more 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 tech people volunteering into the schools, uh, and then just showcasing all the the free programs that are out there, and working with 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 uh, nonprofit partners, that's been another huge, um, exciting thing for me. Cause I get to work with like code.org, first robotics, uh, the boys and girls club, a uh, bunch of organizations that are doing things, uh, inside and outside of the school to, to perpetuate STEM. And, and so that's half my job this year. The other half, uh, I was very fortunate to be part of the hacking STEM team. So when they debuted, uh, when they debuted after hackathon two years ago uh, I I went with them to the National Science Teachers Association conference in Nashville and we were able to uh, we made uh, wind turbines uh, with 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 teachers there and we talked about how you know for 20 bucks you could make this 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 way to generate power the way to calculate wind speed all these cool things out of simple every everyday household items it was it was a, a huge uh, piece of who I was because they were preaching the same thing that I was about STEM equity, about you don't have to spend you know hundred dollars per student or you know thirty thousand dollars per class to be able to get quality STEM um, curriculum and materials, and so now I work with them and we we take everyday materials, and we think about how we can incorporate STEM education into it, and it really is, uh, we use the analogy of of typing, right? Uh, You know, if if you're of our generation, uh, it was so important to be able to type, and, and, and it is. Uh, but the thing, the thing is, is is you know having the right tools available, you know making making sure that the students are able to participate it in a timely fashion. That's kind of that's what STEM is to us now. It's that that idea that you know we need lots of time practicing with it. You know everyone needs to be able to do it. It can't be the separation between the districts that have and the have nots. Um, and so that's what I get to do. That, that's that's my job.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, and you just. Uh... There's so many things that I want to dive into. So maybe like the first thing, um, so you, you talked a lot about yourself as a teacher and the things that you're doing now and, and equity, which is, I think, so, so important. It's something that I think we talk about, but do we actually put our money where our mouth is? And so that's exciting. But maybe one of the first questions to start off with is this. So um, I think in, in, in the STEM education, and, and and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong because you, you have a better kind of global perspective of as, as stem is becoming more and more of a buzzword and more people are, are and more schools are trying to infuse it into their classrooms, there's still this notion of like in, in our area we call them singletons like it's just this one person down the hall that's in charge of like everything or it's let's pick this person because they're a really good teacher and even if they don't like think they're they're a stem person, you're now in charge And so how have you been able or what have you seen that that's allowed schools to, implement STEM successfully where it's not just this add on. It's not just this extra little fun thing to do, but it's, you know, becoming, as you said, this, we're blending it in and, and infusing it. Cause I think just in, in, in my small amount of work, I see that as a as a constant struggle. You know, we got all the the mandates of education, the standards, the initiatives, and we could that's a whole separate conversation. But they're there, and then we got this other thing where we're supposed to be, you know, pushing STEM and makerspace, which is you know kind of this more of a free for all. And I don't mean to tread on that lightly because I know people get very up, you know, upset about that. But you know, where it's not standards focused, like so. I guess my long-winded question is. How do someone's listening in, and they love what you're doing, they get it, but they're alone on an island, so to speak, and yet they still have all these mandates. Like, what have you seen to be successful implementations, at least as maybe like starting points to get going? Where you know, I know there's like the hacking stem, and there's a youth spark, there's a lot, there's a ton of resources, but it's a whirlwind for a lot of people who who don't even know like how to navigate the waters.
0: Yeah. So the first part is is getting getting some more uh, people on your island, and so that's a that's a perfect step into, you know, getting all that other stuff. The, the first thing you do is you coordinate with the curriculum committees. You know, if, if you're that, if you're that lone wolf in your district, that's, that's being, you know, like, like I was, that's not the ideal. I mean, Aaron mentioned that, you know, it's not ideal. Um, But you may have to do that. You may have to be that lone person like I was, you know, pushing STEM. And then the, the key is though, is to, I always framed it in as what, who, whatever group I was working with. So if I was working with language arts, you know, I, I could get to them on their level and show, you know, show some of the value of, you know, doing language arts lessons that involved, you know, famous STEM leaders, you know, and then talking with social studies too about that too, because the thing is, is STEM isn't just the, it's the, the science and, and technology and engineering and math. It's the history of that stuff. Because if you're just if you're just looking at you know where we are today, that I don't think that you're getting the full realization of how STEM has kind of. I mean, when you look at the history of it in this country, it kind of came out of the '90s, you know. And we're talking about it just being a buzzword now, but if you look at legislation uh, as early as uh, I think is 1994, uh, the federal government set up the Albert Einstein Distinguished STEM Educators Fellowship. It came out of a bill that was concerned about the the stem education in this country you know and so i mean that was a long <laughs> that was a over 20 <laughs> you know that was a long time ago right so yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's 23 years ago or i mean say 26 years ago and um you know so helping people understand that this isn't just a buzzword or a fad right this is something that's been around it's something and and we went through this back during the the sputnik days too so, I mean, you know, everything is, you know, cyclical and, you know, goes in these cycles and stuff. But, I, you know, helping them understand that that's needed. So whatever, wherever the people you're working with, you know, bringing up that, like bringing up Sputnik or bringing up, you know, talking to them about this has been, you know, a national thing since 94, you know, and and helping them see that, you know, that you, that st- that you even if you are in that position where you're that lone stem warrior that you don't want to be that you, you really believe is STEM as a cross-curricular approach, right. that you really believe that STEM is just kind of one aspect. See, And I was very fortunate. I got to appear on um, Education Nation. And uh, my, my famous quote that got everyone uh, clapping uh, on NBC was, um, you know, STEM solves a workforce issue. You know, when we we're talking about STEM jobs. But if we want to be really honest with ourselves, STEAM, uh, Steam is what made America great. It's what it's what makes any country great or any individuals that that addition of the arts, the language arts, the physical arts, you know, all that stuff into STEM. That's that's what makes products better. That's what makes life better when you can merge that that hardcore engineering sense with those kind of like uh, you know those physical attributes and the things that make people make people's lives better. And so helping them get to understand, okay, so we're all part of it. Cause when you add the, the arts into it, that that's what helps say, okay, this isn't just, you know, the you know, the right brain very, you know, analytical numbers and measurements and stuff like that. This is about thinking about the contour, right? Thinking about the 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 color contrast, thinking about, you know, how you know how how could you describe this, you know, and and using those language art skills. and, and when you think about it like that that helps you get more people on your side and say, "Well, oh, I, well, I see what you're saying, you know, and I like your approach." And you know, you'll start to get them to say, "Well, you know, how, what can I do to integrate STEM into my subject?" And that's where where you you start saying because the thing is, you want them to own it. So you you're asking them, "Oh, well, what are some things that you're you know you're passionate about? What are some things that you're doing already, you know, and how can you know, and how can we bring some STEM into that?" You know, especially when you're talking to social studies uh, and language arts, there's just so many ways. Anytime you're doing a STEM activity, uh, there's an opportunity there to be able to to write a reflection, right? And uh, and Aaron knows. And when you have kids doing an engineering journal uh, or engineering notebook, right. uh, that's that's where we're getting those soft skills that our, our kids need so much work on: is being able to communicate, being able to write down things so that someone else could come and look at your notes. Uh, and not just look like a bunch of (laughs) jumble on a page, you know, but getting our kids to be okay with that. Just like, it's okay to do that while we're working, you know, jot down things, you know, writing, writing equations or drawing a diagram. You know, I love, I love looking at the comparison from like Leonardo da Vinci is one that I always use because when you talk about him in science, we're like, Oh, well, we know him, you know, not only is he a Ninja turtle, uh, but he's also an (laughs) artist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's also an artist, you know, but he was a, an artist scientist, you know. Yeah, and right, so, right. That to to help help people understand that STEM isn't isn't this, this hardcore right brain thing, but that it is what we make it and we need to make it cross-curricular. It can't just be exist in isolation and I can't do it myself, you can't do it yourself. We we need a team, you know, and then you know, if, if they really don't have any any ideas, that's when you can jump in as that teammate and say, okay, you know, here are some ideas that I had, you know, after you listen to what they're already doing. Cause the best way to integrate is to look what's already happening and then thinking about little tweaks that you can do. So then, and that's how, that's how my, my, my whole program excelled because um, you know, in Flint we, we had huge troubles with our state standardized test math scores and our language art scores. And so that extra, you know, 48 minutes in, in my class I focused on those. Right. But I focused on those through a STEM lens. You know?
1: Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, so I think that's a lot my them, advice. Yeah, and I think that's huge. It goes back to no matter whoever I'm talking about, whether we're talking STEM education or we're talking leadership, you know, this 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 trend keeps coming up of this, you know, kind of being this this self promoter of what you believe is important and in your case it's it's not come look at how great I am, it's this is important. STEM education is important. It's not going anywhere. Now, how can I play a role and in infuse to enhance everything else that's going on? And I think a lot of times, um, especially in education, I think there there, there is a, a confidence piece lacking where... We're, we're almost hesitant to share what we need or we're hesitant to figure out how to promote and we got to have more of that, you know, we, within our own school walls and even without. And so, um, you know, getting in there and, and, and talking with other teachers in other subject fields and not just, you know, I'm math teacher, therefore I don't talk with anybody else and I'm science and therefore all that matters is science. It's we got to start to, you know, we talk a lot about interdisciplinary, and now it's, we, you know, I think STEM is a great bridge. That person, or hopefully at some point it'll be a team, you know, can be that bridge that kind of connects everything. Um, so I think that, that that's really, really important. You know, and I, I know that you've had a chance, you go out and, and you work with a lot of students and schools, and you get that opportunity to travel a lot, and you get to You know, probably see some amazing schools and and, and some schools that are doing amazing things with limited resources and, you know, everything in between. What have been some powerful learning moments that you've learned in in some of the work that you've done in in the last couple of years, um, you know, both from maybe like school leaders or the students that you've worked with that, you know, just kind of help further cement your passion for STEM to, to keep moving stuff forward. Cause I know that you've done a lot, you get to see a lot, um, but have there been any sort of those kind of stories or one liners, you know, that kind of when you're in a classroom teacher, there's always that one kid that says something that, you know, just kind of makes your head spin. Um, have you had any of those as you've been able to kind of see probably a lot of variations of, of, of education?
0: Yeah. So just about every other week. And, and unfortunately I don't get to go into the schools when 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 I when we do a youth spark event, um, they're usually either at a store or at um, a civic area. Usually, like uh, for a recent example, the the Denver, the city of Denver, let us use their innovation space. So a lot of the time, we're taking kids out of the school environment. In fact, all of our environment, uh, we we do we do do um, youth spark. We do do some in school trainings with teachers that we have. And so, yeah, I, I was, you know, I get to see their maker spaces. Okay. Uh, I get to see theirs, but, um, usually when, when, when I'm working with students, uh, we have them in some sort of entrepreneurship hub or an innovation space, um, something where, uh, you know, adults come to do these things. And that, that's part of, I think that's part of the, the, what makes it work. And, and if you're if you're, you know, an educator, you need to look around at your community resources. So I'm here in Flint, Michigan, you know, we we have some resources. And so, like, the Makers Place is a great place where, where I can take kids. Um, I, a local university, you know, I'm very fortunate we have Kettering University uh, in Flint. And that's where where my students come to do our robotic stuff. So doing those things, that's those are One tip I can say that that helps get those kids to say that aha moment when they feel like they're in a free space and then thinking about that space and how can I transform my classroom, you know, whether it is, you know, how you're seating or you're grouping or the things you put on the walls. um, You know, those are some of the things that I've seen when I go to innovative classrooms uh, and and seeing that, you know. It's not the, the stock photo, um, you know, posters, you know, maybe one or two, you know, those fine. But, you know, very, I think kids latch on and we all latch on to that very atypical experience where this is something special. And that's why we, we take these students to the places where they can see, oh, this is where my future could be heading. You know, if, you know, if I followed on this path, you know, and talking about, you know, um, you know, some of the freedom of space that's coming when you look at these this twenty first century, you know, classroom and then compare it to like a 21st century work environment where, you know, we're tearing we're tearing down the cubicles, you know, we're getting rid of of, of these things that that, that hamper creativity uh, and we're getting more into these open spaces and and showing and so like some of the uh, the one I you know that I've heard kids say when you when you give them that freedom to say what they want to say, uh, and you know, and you know, like I, you know, uh, a girl just last week was talking about, you know, you know, I never realized how much fun this could be, you yeah. know, and yeah. because because it, when when we're we're doing uh, when I'm doing this computer science stuff, there 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 aren't the it's it's always a competition, right? So I took yeah. a lot of the uh, from first of the cooperation so the kids, uh, I'm not up there lecturing. I show them, I show them the different parts of. I'll use MakeCode.com for example. So I show them the the, the different parts uh, of the webpage, uh, and then I said, "All right, make something." You know, and they're, they're very confused about that. They want direction, and then I don't give that to them. And I think, you know, and then you know, it's so crazy to hear the kids will say, I, "Well, no, I want to know what to do," you know, and it's like, "Well, play." You know, and they're not used to hearing that. Well, okay, this, you know, well, yeah, you know, play, you know, in the real learning comes from playing. And to hear kids kids say that, like, "Oh, I learned so much today," I was like, "You mean by playing?" They're like, "Yeah," you know, like, you know, and and you know, and then talked about, well, you know, you know, what are some of the things, you know, and you know, they learned about, you know, like how computer science is like, it's like writing a recipe or following a recipe or you know, talking about, uh, you know, Mr. Beard, you know, I think we're all makers because every day we get up and we make decisions on what clothes we're going to wear. And that's what makers do. Makers make decisions, you know, and they try things out. And sometimes I put on these pants and they don't go with the shirt, Mr. Beard. And so I'm a maker too. And I'm like, yeah, see, we're all makers, you know, (laughs) just getting dressed, you know, (laughs) getting dressed. You don't have to, you know, bake a cake to be a maker. You don't have to make, you know, a, a Raspberry Pi laptop, you can do little things and, and be a maker. It's about you know, it's about that trial and error process, and those are the things that that you can bring into your classroom to be able to get those aha moments with your kids, where they realize, oh, you know, and and we we've, we've we've heard this before, you know, that it's okay to fail, right? That fail is an acronym for first attempt and learning, and you know, if you think about the structure of education classically. It's like one and done, you know, you, you study hard for this one test, you have one shot, you know, and, and I think a lot of that is, is because part of that is symptomatic of life. Like in some chances you will get one opportunity, but then not really. Cause if you look, you look at it, if you just give up after your first opportunity or you don't get a chance, life really isn't like that. You will get other opportunities. You know, you might not get good point. that same opportunity. Right. But I think. I think we need to start bringing that innovation more into schools. So, yeah, you you know, um, and not just in like retakes and whatever, but in more in like in looking at, OK, this is where my strength is. This is what I want to focus on. This is what I can excel at. These are the things I need work at. And then being able to provide the, the place where students need work at so that they can move from fail to sail. and sail, I'm I'm a sailor, so sail is, is is what we're all trying to move to and uh, that's what I call a successful attempt in learning, you know. You know, and some students when I when I ask them, what do you think sail stands for? They're like second attempt in learning, yeah. you know, like that that could be your sail. You could get it the second time, but I, right. I think we need to get our kids more uh, more in tune with that. It might be your 32nd time, you know. It right. might be, right. you know, you might be Thomas Edison might be a hundredth or a thousand times before you figure it out,
1: you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Absolutely. That's okay. Well, hey, I got, I got one other question before we jump into the, what I call the speed round. And lightning I, round. Yeah, the lightning round. Um, and before we jump into that, one question that, 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 I, that I love asking people is this. So we can hear your excitement and passion, and, and you you know so much you've got a chance to see a lot. You're doing a lot as an educator, and a robotics coach, and all these good things. So what's your – like what's your wild project right now? So I know that there's, you got a lot of things going on, but what is it like in this moment that, that is your wow, that you're going, this is, this is where I'm putting a lot of my effort into, um, to make it happen.
0: Good question. So, uh, right now I'm just, I'm just putting all my effort into this hacking stem. Um, I'm a new member on the team. Uh, the youth spark, I now have some experience under my belt. So, uh I'm I'm definitely feeling really comfortable with that. But right now, uh just thinking about we, we have so many lessons available. Um there's bite-sized ones for elementary school, um, all the way up to full-size, you know, eight-week projects if you want uh, if you want to make a, a robotic hand or you know, we have some partnerships with the Mattel. And getting uh, getting the Hot Wheels out and launching cars off a ramp and watching them flip and crash and Which spin awesome. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're right. Being able to calculate that in the real world, those are the kinds of things that I'm throwing my my effort into. So um, and thinking about how um, how I can take those lessons and take them to the next step because the the thing with with this kind of equity in education is is so you know, there is no one size fits all. So while we have those, those lesson templates out there in hacking STEM, we, we want teachers to hack them. We want teachers to say, oh, this is great. I made this, you know, hand out of, uh, uh, straws and, 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 um, fishing line and cardboard, you know, and I did it for under 50 bucks, but you know, uh, my school has a 3d printer and you know, we could, we could very much print these things and then hack that. And so that's where I'm throwing all my, my energy into is looking at the, the things that are there and then thinking about, you know, what's that next step. So for the hot wheels cars, um, a big thing is autonomous vehicles, you know, and thinking about, you know, how I could tie in the, the lessons learned from hot wheels and, and maybe creating autonomous vehicles in, in the next lesson or, Um, You know, thinking about the the robotic hand and thinking about, you know, how how could we 3D print uh, and make a uh, a make a prototype version 2.0 for the the robotic hand. And then also thinking about, once again, keeping the art uh, in that stem. So, um, you know, thinking about how I can in in those. In those lessons where the students are learning about, you know, they're learning about uh, data analytics, they're learning about software engineering, they're learning about mechanical engineering, they're learning about electronics, uh, but then also keeping them uh, thinking about, you know, creativity and about collaboration and about innovation and about being okay with with, uh, fail and having multiple attempts and, you know, doing what scientists do you know and having multiple experiments you know multiple trials and then and, and having them you know be interested in that scientific method and because you can apply that anywhere and then also I have a uh, a moonshot project
1: that I had
0: <laughs> I had this I had this idea and it it might not come but I just I, I just want to talk about it cuz I think um, Part of that, and I heard Michelle Obama say this: like, part of it is if you if you if you keep that dream alive, um, you know it's if you stop talking about it, then the dream's dead. So uh, I had this dream. I was at a um, it's called uh, Art Prize here uh, we have in Michigan, and you know thinking about you know STEM as it relates to the arts, and I had this vision for a a robot that would paint your picture in, like, one minute uh, when you, like, stood in front of it, right? And so the thing that makes it different than just, uh, you know, taking a photo um, and, you know, printing on a laser printer was it was going to be, like, a mechanical arm. And um, the as you were waiting in line to see the exhibit, it would have all the code, right? And so all this code would talk about, um, you know, what's the temperature outside. It would talk about, you know, how much noise there is. It would talk about the, you know, it would have this robot would have, you know, um, in my prototype, it would have, you know, about 20 different sensors and it would be built, built by former, uh, former first robotics students of there mine, <laughs> uh, as a, as a project for them to do during summer in between their, uh, their classes yeah. and then enter yeah. in, into this art prize, Uh, which uh, it has like a million dollar first prize for the best. uh, Yeah. And it's all sorts of different kinds of art, performance art, uh, you know, impressionistic, uh, you know, different stuff. But then the question would be, well, what is the art, you know, is it this code that makes this? And then the question is, is is this art, you know, is this machine doing this exact same thing that artists do? Does it take in event? Does it take in data from its surroundings? You know, because, you know, you could go to it one day, and it could paint a picture of you, and the next day, the picture would be totally different because right. the data would be totally different. And then, just getting that discussion on the line between, uh, you know, the line. Well, what you know, what is art? And, and if you don't think this is art, that's fine. But talk about why it isn't. And if you think it is, you know, is it is it the machine that's making the art, or is it machine? is it the coders? Because the coders are the true ones that are saying. You know, if it's this temperature, do this. You know, and here's the range. And if this, then this. And so, in essence, the machine is only doing uh, the what the coders are telling it to do. So the coders, therefore, are the artists, right? And the machine, the machine is just their paintbrush. And then, so getting, you know, I I feel like it'd be a big shake-up. I'd love the controversy of talking about, you know. This is just a paintbrush. It's uh, you know, but you know, the real artist is in the right. code. But then talking about, well, that's <laughs> not a real person either. That's you know, that's code. And 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 real people, we make you know, we deviate in our code. We not we're not like, oh, I can only do this because this is what's programmed to me. It's like, well, today I just feel in there. Those talking about the anomalies, uh, talking about human nature, and so. That's my moonshot project. I I called it. it, I call it Project Leonardo. uh, (laughs) Back circling back to kind of say, you know, this uh, artist scientist, and then getting people that you know he was he was revolutionary at his time. So you know, I'm hoping to kind of get the same. But alas, it is one of those things where I'm still in the project implementation phase. So
1: I love it. One day, one day, I have no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I
0: mean, it's going to have to be a nonprofit. So I'll have to. Start mine up, just like you, following in yeah. your, your footsteps. Uh, all right, so are we ready for the lightning round? Yeah, yeah,
1: let's jump right into right. here, and then uh, we'll, we'll bring it to a close. So uh, first question that I have is uh, one that I love asking people, uh, even though it's one that a lot of people are using in a lot of podcasts already. But what is something that you're reading right now or just finished up that, that others uh, should check out? <laughs> you know i so, have been reading right or now maybe, i have a, I have a fifth a grade podcast. daughter
0: and so I'm, I'm reading brian's winter if you if you ever read the book hatchet oh yeah uh you should definitely read it um i know it's a little uh different but i mean i love it uh, i was a huge fan of gary paulson and i think uh so despite being all into technology i have a real heart for nature and uh gary paulson definitely if if in reading it with my daughter, we're really bonding over this. This uh, And Brian's Winter is like the – it's like the third sequel to, to Hatchet or the – yeah. Yeah. And so that I'm reading it right now. Love it. Uh, I definitely recommend reading yeah, that book. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, so Young Adult is some of the best, best writing out there. Um, Read. Um, so what is – who is uh, one person that everyone should go follow and check out um, if, if people are looking to expand their, their network and and explore some some new ways of thinking or learning? Who would you recommend people listening to uh, go go follow and uh, check out?
0: I mean, well, you you already said to Doug Bergman, Stephen Reed, so I'm trying to think of uh, someone else besides Aaron Maurer, Coffee Chug. Um, <laughs> You know, there, there's lots of. I would say, I would say, join a group, right? So whether it's uh, Breakout Edu, you know, uh, Adam Bello, James Sanders, MIE, uh, MIE experts, you know, um, Robin and 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 everyone in there, or you know, um, Maker Ed, um, to looking at like um, Dale Dougherty, uh, Hardy, Hardy Partovi from co.org. Uh these are these are some of the people that I look up to um, and 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 they've really helped shape me and my educational pedagogy.
1: Love it. Yeah. Um what is your spirit animal?
0: My spirit <laughs> animal is the eagle. Uh I I I I I am an eagle scout. Uh I still do work with boy scouts on the uh, board of directors here uh in the in the Blue Star District. And um, I think there's a lot to be said about character values uh, of being able to, to soar and being able to give back to your community. And it doesn't have to be Boy Scouts. Whatever you do, I think, I think that, that your, your spirit animal will guide you to that so that you can give back to others. I love it. What's and your spirit animal?
1: Man, I don't even know. You can't it. ask that question. I know. I know. Well, I, I feel like every time uh, someone talks, I'm like, gosh, yeah, yeah. We're just I was just interviewing uh someone for another one and they were talking about a lion but then they thought that they have the memory of an elephant, so I keep toying <laughs> with this idea of stealing their idea of like creating like a new animal like a liaphant. Uh a <laughs> <I> lion. <like that. laughs> no, I think um I mean if I were to I mean right now my, my thought would probably be like um like this a panther as as, as crazy as it sounds and Where I'm going with that was this, like, I feel like I'm, like, on this mission to redefine the word school. And so I feel like, not that I'm stalking and going to, like, create havoc, but this idea of, like, stealthily trying to get people to rethink as opposed to being, like, abrasive and saying, no, what you're thinking is wrong. It's how can I kind of sneak in and get you to think differently without even you realizing it, Uh, because I think that's the way I think... A lot of times, anytime there's there's a new initiative or something pushed upon teachers, that it's always this notion, even if not intended, of well, you're telling me that what I'm doing is wrong, and I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe any teacher is out to harm any kid. It's I, I I'm starting to believe more and more that we don't know what we don't know, and so you know, and maybe it's maybe the panther's not the right animal. That's what the one I keep thinking of, and like just kind of stealthily kind of get people to go, oh my gosh, I'm thinking differently. I didn't even know it. Um, so. Maybe it's more of like a human spirit animal, like a ninja. Maybe that's the... <laughs> there you go. Stealth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the last one I have is, uh, are there any final thoughts or last nuggets of wisdom that you want to share that we didn't get a chance to maybe talk about, uh, be respectful of your time here, um, that you want to share, uh, that you didn't get a chance to uh, preach to the masses?
0: Yeah, and so I think back in my story before becoming an MIE, um, I was really involved with educational advocacy and that's not just like union and stuff like that. It's it. And, and, and it's about going to your state legislatures. It's about being a part of the process. It's about, it's about organizing your crew uh, of teachers. It's about being a leader and there's, there's organizations in your state right now that are actively, uh, they're actively lobbying for the interests of kids. And it's so important for us as teachers and voters to be that callous because there's so many groups, there's so many hands in the pot of education. And when you talk to a legislature or when you talk to anyone, a lot of people think that they're experts because, well, I went to school for 13 years and then I had four years of college and then grad school. And so I know a little thing or two about education. And that's the hardest part to deal with and to get people. And you have to say, oh, yeah, you know, you're you're very you know, you have to say, yes, you do know a lot. And you know, after that, you know, I taught for ten more years. So I just have a little more things that I would like to add on to your knowledge of how education works because you know I now I've gotten to see it from the other side. I think it's very helpful to have, you know, someone that understands it only from the student side. And, you know, and then I also have an advocate that says, I understand it from the student and the teacher and the administrator side, you know, and talk to parents. I mean, there's tons of people pushing parents in all kinds of directions with misinformation and they trust you, you know, they're, if you're their kid's favorite teacher, they're going to listen to you over any, uh, you know, and if you haven't seen the, uh, the Ted ed on it, how they, how they mess bar graphs up and how, and how yeah. you can manipulate information. And my parents have, have been such, uh, victims of that. And they'll like come to me like, Oh, but look at this, Look at this study here, and look at this chart. We're, we're 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 horrible, you know. And I'm like, well, look at the date range between here and here, and the date range between here and here. They aren't equal numbers. This is not right. this is not a chart, you know. And like, how come I didn't learn that in school? I'm like, well, <laughs> these are new things. Like, it didn't people didn't used to present charts with skewed x axes or skewed y axes. to
1: Say
0: this is real. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't happen. It's this whole information uh, mismanagement error that we are in and everyone likes these charts so they like this you know these stats these statistics and I think you know uh, as an educational advocate and being in there and you don't have to be political you can be the person that is like I said that's just pointing out like oh if you th- saw this, here's the problems with this. Or if you looked at this research study, here's the problems with it. Or, you know, you can go to your legislature. You can call them on the phone. You can set up a meeting to meet with them. You can look and see what their coffee hours are. Okay? You, we need more teachers advocating in there. Because right now, I mean, they have lobbyists from all different areas telling them that this is the right thing to do. And my favorite analogy uh, is I use the NRA uh, the NRA is very effective at getting things done, but um literally there's less people in the NRA than there are people that go to Planet Fitness or or don't go. But there's like literally, literally more people pay for Planet Fitness every month than are in the NRA. But you don't see Planet Fitness, you know, lobbying and getting all these, right. these things done. And what it comes down to is um some of the things that the NRA does really well is they're very good at mobilizing um, they're their group they're very good at saying hey this is what's happening call and they have people that will call 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 and I think we have those too we need to mobilize our parents more uh, and 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 what I did learn is is there's that fear right like I don't want kickback I you know I can't be political and for so long we and that's why we get stepped on repeatedly is because that fear to get up and stand up for what's right or that fear of losing our job because. This is our, our means to our family eats, you know. And right. so I think if you are the catalyst for that, you don't have to fear it anymore, right? So if you're the person that has the parents that are, that are fighting for their kids um, against the powers that want this test or they want this kind of assessment or they want to do this or that or they want to have these kind of things and – these antiquated things. Oh, well, this has always worked. You know, you right. need those parents. And so that's, that's what I would like to end with is, is, is we all became teachers because we loved working with kids. Um, and you know, if you put that first, anytime you go in front of a legislature uh, legislator, um, you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah.
1: I love it. And those are, I think, some great, great things to think about here as we bring this to a close. Todd, I can't thank you enough for for all your insights. It's so many good things to think about. I think it's definitely going to lead to to some fascinating conversation, hopefully online in the comments. But if nothing else, back with with, with their own networks of people. Um, all the things that Todd talked about, we'll make sure we get linked up in the show notes as well as all the places you can find Todd. So he's one that I definitely would recommend that you follow and and follow his journey because he's always up to something, you know. And uh, maybe one day that Leonardo art robot will be up and running. You can be like, I think I. I, think I remember hearing about that one time. So thank you so much for your time. I uh, greatly appreciate it.
0: You're welcome, Aaron. You're a great educator and a great friend. And I'm, I'm always happy to work with you. Thanks, bud. Thanks.